Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. It is 725. Believe it or not. 725. We are going to try to wrap up today. (laughs) So people say, well, you know, I didn't hear any of the previous messages. There are about eight months of previous messages in Philippians. They are Philippians. They're they're all on our website, chapters 1 through 4. We went verse by verse verse through all of them. And so if you want to catch up on some of that stuff, you can go to the website and check it out. There's plenty of media uh, there for you to be able to... uh, to look at and to uh, listen to and share on all the social media platforms that are available there. I think there's like four or five of them that you can share the messages on. If you if it blesses you, it might bless somebody on one of your social media friends list as well. So don't hesitate to do that. So the last two weeks, uh, or two weeks ago, we were in Philippians 4, and we actually got through three verses, believe it or not. We got through verses 14, 15, and 16. We saw in verse 14, while self-sufficiency is the goal of each believer, we must always be willing to help others. Self-sufficiency does not mean you only depend on God and do not receive the gifts of men. The gifts of men are the actions of God. When God supplies our need, it is not, it is not by money and provisions falling from the sky, but through the hands of men. How many have experienced being blessed through somebody? Amen. It's a blessing for sure. In verse 15, we saw the wonderful thing about the way that the kingdom of God is set up is that when we partner with a ministry financially, we share in the rewards of all that that ministry accomplishes. And Paul was expressing that to the Philippians because they had partnered with him financially. Verse 16 says, the Philippians were led to give multiple offerings. We see this in verse 16. Why would they be led to do this? We saw this. The Philippians are connected to Paul's ministry by the Spirit of God. They have received from him, and they pray for him, and so they are led to give to him. Wherever you connect your heart in work of the kingdom of God, your treasure will be put there as well. So sometimes people say, well, no, no, the Lord, everything I have is the Lord's, but I, you know, they never give to him financially. The scripture says where, where, uh, where your heart lies, there your money will be also. Does that make sense? So wherever your treasure is, there your heart lies. And we give this example, and I actually heard Andrew Womack give it, and I think it's such a great example because it's so true. People say, well, I really don't care about my money. He'd say, well, then give me your wallet and let me run off with it. And I'll bet you your heart will go with me. And that's the same way with God. Amen? It's the exact same way with God. Wherever you put yourself, your heart will be there. Wherever you put that money, your heart will be there. And so uh, the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God operates in financial things and in prosperity, things like that, we know... That if you're connected with somebody, if you're praying for somebody, if you're praying, if you're connected in a church, praying for a church, you have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you're a part of a church, your heart's going to be there, your money's going to be there. How many know that some people's church is the bowling league? You say, the bowling league, yeah, they pay to be in the league, they pay for the food at the bowling alley, they pay for the drinks, what are they feeding? They're feeding their fellowship and their church. Amen. 
Amen? I'm not saying you can't be a part of the bowling league. Go to the bowling league. I don't care if that's what you like. But what I'm saying is, is wherever you connect, your money's going to be there. Amen? We're not going to take up an offering, so don't worry about it. <laughs> People thought, oh, he hasn't got to the message. He's going to do the offering. Nope. I'm not going to even take one offering tonight. <laughs> I'm just sharing with you what the Word of God says. That's the most important thing. What you do with it is up to you. Wherever you connect your heart in the work of the kingdom of God, your treasure will be there as well. Just as we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where Paul acknowledges that the Philippians first gave themselves to God and then to Paul by the will of God. So let's get to verse 17 here. Let's pray and we'll get right into this. I didn't mention this, but I, I should have. You know, every time we come together as, as a church here, we don't just come together to hear me speak or whoever's speaking or whatever. God is going to change your life tonight. That's why we came together. See, we're faith people. We're crazy faith people. You say, what do you mean by that? I actually believe when I read this word that these words actually penetrate my physical body and heal it. I actually believe that there was a man 2,000 years ago that came to earth named Jesus Christ. He walked the earth. He was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He was crucified, buried, and then raised on the third day despite the conspiracy theories of everybody that was around in the religious community and the political community of that day. He is alive. He is on the throne. Come on, I'm preaching a lot better than you're saying amen. <laughs> it's a teaching message. <laughs> oh. In other words, we actually believe Jesus still heals bodies today. We actually believe God still prospers today. We actually we don't believe that God somehow fell asleep after the apostles all died. I still believe that I can walk with Jesus just like Paul did. Just like Enoch walked with God. I have a greater actually access than Enoch ever did. Now Enoch's doing okay right now. <laughs> but I have a greater access right now because of the covenant that we have in Christ. Then Enoch, Enoch would have dreamed of what I have. And what you have. You're actually one in the Spirit with the resurrection of Christ if you're born again. Seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we're not going to just hear a verse and take a note. Now we may hear a verse and take a note. But that word is actually living in us. And the person of the Holy Spirit is constantly moving and hovering over the waters through us and over us. Amen. People say waters. Yeah. In the scripture, if you look up waters, it often is associated with multitudes of people. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. So we're going to pray and we're going to get revelation. Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're our teacher. Fill my mouth, Lord, as I speak. Lord, help your people. Lord, the people that are here, you know every need. You know every heartbreak. You know every physical condition. You know every mental condition that's represented here, Lord. You know every spiritual condition that's represented. Lord, I just yield my tongue to you prophetically to speak into the lives of your people. And Lord, as your word goes forth as a mighty sword and weapon, I thank you that it cuts off the bondages and yokes of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
So we see, we saw verse 15, 14, 15, and 16 is talking about money. Verse 17 continues. And this is a very important verse for you to listen to and heed to because it actually has to do with the uh, status of heart of the leadership that you're under. Now, I'm not just talking about me specifically. I'm saying in general, anywhere you give money, if this heart is not in the leadership, then you should stop giving money. Amen. People say, stop giving money. What preacher says stop giving money? (laughs) You know, you've been watching too many fundraisers, too many telethons. (laughs) Okay? But if this heart is not found, not only... In the leader, in general, in a church, in a, in, a, in a ministry and community like that, but then also in your own heart. This is a great opportunity for us to take this word and go, okay, Lord, do I do this? Is this my heart? So Paul says this in verse 17, not that I seek the what? Gift. You know, there are some preachers that seek the gift. It's true, right? Now, you know, we've read through Philippians. I, was, I read through the whole chapter, or through the whole book again uh, today, which is real long, four chapters. You know, yeah, I don't know how you get through it in, without, in, in less than uh, 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 15 minutes without uh, getting some good things out of it, but it's a short book. And I read where Paul was in prison, and we knew this. This is a prison epistle. And there were actually people preaching while Paul was in prison, hoping that it would afflict him while he was in prison. You say, what were, what were they? They're the jealous preachers. You say, the jealous preachers. Yeah, the preachers that preach in competition with the other preachers because they want to be the head preacher. They want to be the lead. They wanted the, they wanted the position of Apostle Paul. They wanted a following. Actually, they were hoping to draw people away from Paul while he was in prison and they probably, were, they probably were going down a path of mocking and kind of putting a, a slight discoloration on Paul's character and who he is. I mean, he's in prison. You really think he's innocent? Because they're hoping to what? Draw a crowd to where? Themselves. Can I help you with something? I've noticed this through the years. Every preacher that is, is hoping to become famous are usually the ones that never really get where they're even called to. Because if my motivation is, is the, the amount of money that comes and whether people like me or not, then I won't do what God asked me to do. My motivation has to be, Lord, what is your heart toward these people and how can we get them to where you want them to be? Amen? I mean, that has to be the motivation of our heart. And so Paul is saying this here. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the what? The fruit that abounds to your account. The Amplified says it this way, not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. The Passion Translation says it this way, I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift. So in all, Paul was not a TV preacher because there were no TVs. But if he was on TV during his day, he wasn't the preacher on TV going, I need you to help me. Please help me. If you don't help me, I'm going off the air. (laughs) See ya. Later. 
He said, I'm not buttering you up, waiting for you to give me the next check. Paul said this, and we read this earlier. He said, I've learned the secret in all things to be what? Content. Content where? In Christ Jesus. Whether I have a lot or I have If you, I'm going to make a statement here and you're going to love it. Say, I'm listening. Okay? Listen closely. If you can have your contentment 100% in Christ, he, God, is not, he, God will not be concerned about what level of money you have. If, 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 God, if God can have your heart so fully, and he will test it. People say, what do you mean? He'll give you some money and see. And people say, oh, no, God wouldn't do that. Yeah, he would. He took the Israelites right into the wilderness. Not so they could travel there for 40 years. They just never got a clue. <laughs> His goal was the promised land maybe after a few months. But they proved their hearts unfaithful to him, which, you know, how many know God knows that's going to happen? But you can prove your heart faithful to God if he gives you something and you give it where he says, or give it back, a percentage back. That's what tithing is about. But giving up worship, worshiping him back, he'll give you more. But that money, you can't be Scrooge. You cannot be Scrooge. You know, Paul could have said, I got a big offering. I think I'm going to retire. People sometimes think, retire? Did they retire in those days? Yeah, they did. If they were wealthy enough, they could plan out their day. They budgeted like anybody else. Do you know there were actually resort communities in that day? I'm going to help you with something, and you're not going to like this, but it's true nonetheless. Well, maybe you will. I don't know. But even in that day, there were resort communities that were specific to homosexuals. Did you know that? Did you know Paul traveled through them? I know. People say, I didn't read that in the Bible. I know you've got to get into the history book on some of this stuff. But there are these, there, it's known. There were the communities, the things like that in that day. And so there, are all, there were all these things available for distraction for Paul, just like there are for us today. But we have to make a decision. What is our heart going to be 100% to God? When our heart is 100% to God, then whatever comes into you actually can't move you one way or another. So this offering, and we'll see, it was a big offering. But the offering that came into Paul, he didn't go, you know, this is good. This is a lot of money. You know, I could, you know, probably go somewhere and quit preaching and stop doing prison time. You know, my back needs a break. Not because, not because it was such necessarily just physical things, but I'm, tired, I'm done getting beat up for Jesus. But he didn't do that. He kept the call first. And then when you keep the call and the purpose first, when you keep Christ first, then what's first around you? The need and the desire uh, and the growth of the people, not yourself. This is tough, you know that? Because what I've found is even in, even in ministry, you have to keep your heart before the Lord and, and allow Him to deal with motivations in your own heart. So that 
I don't look at ministry from the standpoint of, well, when I get together with my fellow preacher colleagues, they'll ask how big the church is and I'll be able to tell. Do you know I've been to preacher conferences before? A few times. And this was when, I mean, this was years ago. We, I don't even think I had a church at the time. But uh, I used to be in the Sims of God, no slide on them. It was just where I was. And we'd go to different things. And you know what they touted a lot of times, what the number one thing was? How many people do you have in your church? My question is, how deep are they? Now, I'm not a, I think we should have a good-sized church, a big church. But I think they can be deep as well. I heard a minister say, or a, a, another, uh, uh, maybe he was a minister. I don't think he was. Maybe he was. But he said, that's a large church. He said, I've been to it. I think he was a traveling guy. But he made this statement, the people are an inch deep and a mile wide. In other words, spiritual growth or uh, some of the natural things that we see are not necessarily congruent with true spiritual depth. They're just not. There are churches that build whole communities around surface things. And as long as those surface things are met, then people continue to go because it becomes a big, it becomes a social club. And I'm not saying that's every church in this city or I'm not saying that, none of that. I'm just saying this goes on. The important thing is what? The depth of heart within the believer. Are we fellowshipping with the Lord? Is the leadership in tune with the Lord to where no matter what comes in, Uh, Money-wise, especially in this case, no matter what comes in, do we have God's interests first? And out of that, what is the Lord saying for the spiritual development of the people? Because let's face it, you could have a billion dollars in the bank and go to hell. There's a lot of people, when, when money comes in, they're nowhere to be found around spiritual things. But they were praying for God to bless them before that. A couple other translations of this verse say this, specifically the first part. He says this, it, it is really not the gifts that I crave, is one translation. Another one says, it isn't the value of the gift that I'm keen on. The second half of the verse in the Williams says this, but I do want the prophets to pile up to your credit. When we give in faith to the work of God, it has a pile-up effect in our lives. How many of you have experienced that before? Amen? Now, the, uh, another translation says, the profit accumulating to your account is what I'm after. The abundant profit that accrues. I wish fruits may multiply to you. And this is what the right heart, this is the right heart of any leader or anybody who's receiving a gift from someone else. Just recently we had Jim Hockaday here, and I'm not going to share what the offering was, but it was a really good one. We blessed him. It was awesome. And I, and I was talking to him on the way to the airport, and I told him what it was, and he goes, what? <laughs> and I, I like that. I like that. I like it. I just like it. You know, I like to, not because, not because it's anything for me. It's just like, man, have you ever done something for somebody? You know, it's, it's not like you, like you gave something to somebody and they were like, whoa. It was what? Above and beyond all they could or think. So it expands your thinking. You got to realize, guys, we gave an offering that I know we competed with churches of 10 and 15,000 people. I'm not joking. 
Because I know, I talk to the preachers, I know. I get the privilege of hearing. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to hear. It's like, oh, well, we'll go on. <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I'm laughing while I'm telling him this. And he goes, that's good, Sean. He said, you know what's coming to your people, don't you? I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. They are going to be blessed. Blessed. Barrier-breaking blessings. Generationally wealthy. For what? And people go, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right thing. Then you need to study Abraham. It's right to be blessed. Just make sure you train your kids how to handle the blessing. I know that they'll be blessed. And it excited me so much. Men and women of God who have a sincere heart care more about what abounds to the people's account spiritually and naturally than they do uh, than they do what they are getting out of the deal. So this is not you scratch my back. You know, this proposition, pastor to, to congregation, it's a 50-50 proposition. <laughs> you know, people say marriage, it's a 50-50 proposition. Not in my Bible. It's a 100% you die and 100% they die and we all get along. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the reality. Jesus didn't come, come down and say, okay, Mike, I'm going to scratch your back. But then you got to do something for me if I'm going to go to that cross. No, he didn't. While we were yet sinners, Christ said, I love you. And, and you know what most of us are waiting for? The other, okay, you love me, Lord. I see it. I love you too. Now what? Now what, now what do I owe you? And, he, and it's just silence. <laughs> he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you a bill. And then once you pay that back to me, then I'll give you your rest, you he says in Revelation, if you don't have money, if you don't have anything to buy with, come and drink and eat freely. Glory to God. Drink and eat freely. I heard of a story, I'm not going to tell you where, of a traveling minister who after the service immediately went to the church secretary's office and paced back and forth until the offering was counted so he could find out what it was. This is not faith. This is loving money more than God and more than people. I remember a prophetic dream someone shared uh, with me about this uh, man afterward. Now, these are, I could name you these preachers, but I'm not going to. Because you might know who they are. And I was sitting eating pizza with this prophetic preacher, this prophet of God. And he's still around today and he's still ministering. And he was sharing with me about a dream that he had about the man that was pacing in the office, uh, the secretary's office with, when, the, when the offering had been taken up. Wanting to know, what's the total? What's the total? What's the total? That's, if you're in faith, you don't care what the total is. The total doesn't move you if it's too low or if it's way high. It just doesn't move you. Because why? Your contentment is in who? Christ. In the prophetic dream that this gentleman had about this other minister, from a distance, 
This minister looked completely normal. He could identify them. This person, he could identify the preacher. He could identify who he was. And he walked up to him to talk to him. And as he got closer, he noticed his face and everything had been eaten up with leprosy and disease. In other words, people say, well, what does that mean? And I remember the pastor sitting there with me. I said, what does that mean? He said, who he is from a distance, he appears normal. But the closer you get, you realize something's wrong. In other words, it's a heart issue. Because I can make, I can give you a picture of me from a distance. Come on, you guys know this. How many are familiar with internet dating sites? <laughs> they send a picture, you know. And the dude's like, hey, you know. <laughs> and then they meet him. And it's like, huh, that photo, <laughs> you lied. <laughs> okay. I don't know where that came from, but I guess it kind of fits. I don't know. It's funny and, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, praise God. Many ministers have not encouraged or received offerings because they thought receiving offerings was selfish. And they didn't want to promote themselves. But when offerings are received the correct way, they benefit the people who are giving them. Not receiving offerings is actually wronging the people. As long as the motivation is right, you should receive offerings. To the Lord. Amen? And then as that money comes in, you have a group of people like Paul did with the Corinthians, and you have a group of people that make sure everything is done above board. Amen? Nothing illegal. Not secret deals. There was a minister, I heard Rodney Howard Brown sharing about a ministry. He is a pastor. He went to visit a young pastor that had graduated from his Bible college, and he was doing some meetings for them, and the, the minister just kept saying, he said, man, the, the church is growing. We have a lot of people here. God's moving. But the offerings are just not great. And finally, the minister, uh, Rodney Howard Brown, looked at him and he said, go sit in when they count. So he had an older couple that this, this, these young pastors had an older couple that they trusted to count. They were feeding their own retirement fund. They were given half the offering that was coming in back to the pastor. When he went in to start sitting in on the counting, then all of a sudden the offerings were good. People say, oh, that would never happen. <laughs> Ooh, you do remember Judas, right? Okay. It shouldn't happen. It is important to see our giving not as money leaving our lives, but as money being deposited into our spiritual accounts. Those deposits go into our future where they grow and multiply. This is not to say that there is a one-to-one -one ratio between the money we are given, uh, we have given and what we can expect to receive. The Lord promises us that when we give, uh, uh, it will come back to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now you have to build that into your thinking. How many have noticed as a believer, you don't just automatically expect good things? 
You have to build that into your thinking, which means you have to take time by yourself with the Lord and his word, and you have to take time and go, Lord, I expect what you said concerning my money to come back to me that way. Lord, I'm not going to put pressure on you or pressure on people. You have many channels, but all my focus and faith is on one source, which is you. You're going to bring it to me how you choose to bring it to me. I'm not going to get involved in any of that, but I expect this to come. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to hear me very closely. In order for the principle of increase to work the way it should, you have to make sure that you are in God's will. Amen. The principle of increase works when you're in God's will. Now, that's a broad statement. I don't necessarily have time to preach on it, but I will tell you this. When you're in God's will, faith for provision usually is not a major hiccup because you know where you're supposed to be. Amen? You know where you're you're supposed to be. All right, let's look at verse number 18. Indeed, Paul said, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. The Passion Translation, Translation says it this way. I now have all I need, more than enough. I'm abounding, satisfied, for I've received the gift you sent from Epaphroditus and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, perfumed with fragrance of your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. So what do we see here? One translation of the first part of this verse reads, I have received your payment in full and more too. So did Paul have enough? And what? More as well, right? Then it goes on to another translation says this, the Phillips, it says, in fact, I am rich. Now people get hung up on this stuff. They think, oh no, don't talk about being rich. Listen, the scripture says, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians, he said, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that, I, that, he, that we through his poverty might become what? Rich. Now what does rich mean? It means filled to the full and overflowing. So if you think about your life and you think about where you're at, are you filled to the full and overflowing? Because that's God's design for you. Now, people say, well, my number, you know, they, they talk about, I want to be, I want to have $14 million in the bank. I want to have $14 million, I want to have, you know, they, when I'm done, I want to have $5 million in the, in, the, in the, you know, and the reality is, you actually don't necessarily, if the Lord tells you to put a number on it, put a number on it, but what you need to believe for is that the windows of heaven are open above you, that the blessing of God is pouring out over you, and that that blessing is going to be so great that you won't have room enough to receive it. Which means, if you don't have room enough to receive it, you better give some of it. And then there's this terrible cycle that kicks in. The more you give, Well, I have too much. I have too much. You know, I heard a minister say one time that a, he had this a businessman in his church and he was writing tithe checks to the church and God was blessing his business. And one day the minister or the man came in to write his tithe check and, and give it to the church. And he was kind of going, you know, man, these numbers are kind of getting big. You know, I don't know if I should be given 10%. You know, these numbers are getting big. And the pastor sitting there with wisdom said, okay, well, let's pray about it. 
And so they, they, they bowed their heads, and the pastor said, Now, Lord, you see so-and-so's heart, and he thinks these numbers are getting too big. So, Lord, I just ask you to reduce the amount of money that is coming into him right now so that he will be able to handle the giving and be in obedience to you. How many know the businessman stops the prayer right then? But if you're going to be a king, you better watch your heart. Well, I can do whatever I want. Really? I don't remember reading that scripture. I'm going to take God's blessing and turn against him? That's the quickest way to end up at the pearly gates, quick. You say, how do you know that? Because when the move of God happens, I read about a couple of people that had money. They had great names. Ananias, Sapphira. They wanted to be known and seen. They wanted to be, I mean, can you imagine... If a husband and wife couple, the husband comes in or the wife comes out, I don't remember which one came in first, and, they, and they're, giving, they're putting money at the apostles' feet. Now, what if we took up offerings that way today? Everybody get your offerings ready? I'll stand here. I'm never going back to that church again. You had to put it. Who does that guy think he is? Sorry, it's just too real to me. I, <clears throat> I read the Bible sometimes and I go, oh, Lord, that would never fly today. You just... <laughs> They're giving the offering. Most people wouldn't even consider not praying a blessing over them. Paul looks at them and says, why have you conspired against the Holy Spirit to lie to him? I didn't lie. I didn't lie. Goodbye. Fell over dead. Don't go tell the spouse. Just have the youth group pick up the body and go bury him. I'm not kidding. Go read it. Now, that's a powerful youth ministry. Your kids will know how to not lie and handle money in short amount of time. <laughs> I mean, talk about an illustrated sermon. <laughs> and don't even tell the spouse, and they come in, and Peter just goes, what do you got? Doesn't even hint, maybe you should tell the truth. Your spouse is dead. Holy Ghost ain't in a playing mood right now. This is not a laughing roll on the ground service. Okay? <laughs> this is a fear of God service. <laughs> you know, every building project after that, the church made sure. Every supplier made sure they had what they needed, plus extras, no extra charge. Yeah, we heard about Ananias and Survivor. There's about 12 extra two-by-fours in there, no cost. Go ahead, you can have it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall what? All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In the middle of the night the other night, I was saying, I, I was uh, kind of, you know how you're half asleep, half awake? But I was in the spirit, and I'm going, filled to the full. 
filled to the full. Filled to the full, Lord. You fill to the full. Every need filled to the full. The message says you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. In the uh, New Living Translation it says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Notice that word riches in there? A bunch. Do you know the word rich and glory? Actually, glory actually ties to money, even in the Old Testament. There's riches in these things. Now, here's the thing. The important thing is not, we're not trying to focus on the money, but you've got to realize this. You're going to have a tough time doing everything that God wants you to do if you don't have some. Now, it's not that you can't be content, but how many know when Paul received the offering from the Philippians, he's like, all right. We can go do this. You know, at one point in Paul's ministry, he had enough money. He had people that traveled with him for one. He was taking care of their families, families with food and different things like that, lodging, all those things as they needed. But do you know, at one point toward the end of Paul's life, he actually lived in his own rented house for two years and just taught? He rented a house for two years. How? He didn't have a job. There were times where he worked to provide, but it was a short stint, and it was for a specific purpose because the Corinthians were so nervous about money, he didn't dare touch it because they would have just rejected the whole gospel altogether. So there was an extreme situation like that. But for the most part, people are not that way. That's the, actually the only one account we have in Scripture of that happening. And Paul actually got irritated about it. If you read through Corinthians, you'll see it. The Bible in basic English says, my God will give you all you need from the wealth of his glory in Christ Jesus. The Passion Translation says, I'm convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have. For I have seen the abundant riches of his glory revealed to me through the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. The scripture says in Romans that if God didn't withhold or spare even his own son, how shall he not also with him, what, freely and graciously give you all other things? In other words, what is that scripture saying? Jesus is saying this. God is saying this. The Holy Spirit is declaring to mankind, God gave you his son first so that you wouldn't question whether he'd give you a healing next. Or meet your financial needs or supply peace for your mind or protection. for. In other words, I gave you my best to tell you that I'm not withholding anything else. Whoever gets the son gets everything else. And he didn't make it hard for us to receive the son. One, one commentary says it this way. But my God shall supply. And that word supply means fill to overflowing in the Greek. All your need according to his riches. And that word means wealth in glory by Christ Jesus. The Philippians' gift to Paul left a big deficit in their finances. They gave above and beyond what they could actually give. But the same God who supplied for Paul in this time of need will supply for them also. They are not to look to men, but to the riches of God, but the riches that God has in glory through our mediator, Christ Jesus. God uses men to supply needs in the earth. The source is not human, but divine. 
So the, how the money comes or how the provision comes is not for you to decide. You know that it's coming through from the Lord. That's where your faith is. And then it travels down through whatever it be, your business, a loved one. It, may be, it could be an inheritance. It could be all sorts of things. But it's God's supply coming to you. I remember when I was in Bible college and I was first learning some of these principles and I was believing God for money for my second year of tuition. And I remember my grandparents gave me a check, I think, for $500 or something, which was a big deal to me. And I just rejoiced and gave praise to God. And I remember my, my mom and or my dad kind of looking at me like, what in the world is he doing that for? Because they grew up more denominational. And so you do give to God, but whatever happens, happens. I grew up spiritually learning that God was faithful to his promises, that if I would be obedient in faith to do what he told me to do, that he would open up heaven and give me what I needed. I remember one time in my second year, I didn't have money for tuition. It wasn't there. I was paying month to month. I needed money. And so by faith, I got up. I I, I hadn't paid, so I couldn't go to class. But by, by faith, I got up and I went to school. And I sat in the lobby area, the office area, and basically sat down and said, okay, God, I need some money. And it wasn't long after that that one of my classmates walked up to me and said, God had been dealing with me about giving you this money and handed me in cash exactly what I needed for the next month of tuition. Amen. Yeah, this, this stuff. Have you, ever, have you ever gone out with somebody to eat? And, and uh, you, you knew you had enough for what you, 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 know, you needed to pay for your meal. And all of a sudden they look at you and you say, no, I got it. What is that? God supplying your need. But the goal here isn't to just always be the one who receives. If you want to, people say, well, I don't have but 50 cents. That is a seed. And 50 cents multiplied 30, 60, and 100 fold is sure better than you hanging on to those two quarters. Amen? So Paul goes on to say in verse 20, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. For everything we receive in life, finances or other blessings, natural or spiritual, God the Father is to receive all the glory, honor, and thanksgiving. He is the source and eventual end of all things we have and possess. Both Paul and the Philippians are to be giving glory to God. Paul was thanking God for what he had received. The Philippians should be thanking God for the supply which is coming. We should give glory to God whether we have received blessings or are still expecting them. Every day when you wake up, you put your feet on the floor, you go, glory to God. It's another day, Lord. What's going to happen today? Come on, are you like me? You have to fight that thought out of your mind. Oh, God, I'm going to go into the office, and then i got to deal with this person and deal with this person. And I'm probably going to get some weird prayer request, and somebody's going to share some weird thing with me. And I, I'm going to hear about this problem and that problem, and then i got this job site and this contractor, and, I, and the last time I did this, and, I, and I'm trying to operate, I need to navigate these people here and this people. The first thing that should come out of our mouth is, okay, glory to God. All right, Father. This is going to be another day. But you have graced me with strength. You have given me ability to speak wisdom. Lord, salt my tongue. Come on, you're supposed to let your words be what? Seasoned with grace. That you may be able to answer any man concerning the hope that is within you. I'm not going to just go to Walmart and walk by the greeter who's probably retired and has blue hair. 
with a blue jacket to match. I'm going to look at them and smile and greet them when they greet me. Knowing that could be their only interaction with somebody meaningful that day. Giving glory to God. All of the glory given to God will continue throughout all of eternity. One day our possessions will be gone and this earth will be destroyed to make way for a new one. But the giver of all things will be here. God himself. He is before all and will be after all things. Paul goes on to verse 21 and he says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. Verse 22, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Isn't that amazing? You know I love that. Paul was in Roman prison and he got Caesar's household, some of them saved. In your face, devil. You put me in prison, I'll get your people's hearts. I like that fight. I like that. Paul, went, Paul didn't shy away from the persecution and the things that came against him. He just dove into the middle of it and he did what every good conqueror does. He turned the hearts of his enemies into fellow brothers and sisters. He took the sword of the Spirit and just went. He, he did this for his jailers. Are your kids sick? Do they need prayer? Come on, think about this. We think too, uh, like, historical time, at times. You know, we think, yes, they walked around in robes and sandals. You know. People have these pictures of, you know, no, no, no. They were people. They were sinful, heartbroken. Some were sick, broke, destitute, depressed, had things in their lives that were wrong. They were looking for answers. They thought, some of them thought conquering the world was the answer. And then they get to Caesar's very household. They think they're at the pinnacle of everything. Yet there's an emptiness within them. And all of a sudden, here comes prisoner Paul. <laughs> and he, like, what'd you do? I share Jesus. <laughs> Are you sick? I'll pray for you. <laughs> Just, yeah, put your, yeah, I got to lay hands, but <laughs> you can just put your head down here. <laughs> this is how it was. Real life. Verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. For a believer, peace comes from single-mindedness, from eyes constantly focused on Jesus and from God's word. Paul's practical instructions will, if followed, help believers to rejoice at all times, to replace worry with prayer, to to think good thoughts, and to be content no matter what the circumstances. Paul's life is proof that his teaching worked. As we follow his example, we will discover peace that passes understanding, a peace the world is looking for, a peace that will draw others to the Lord Jesus. Paul admonishes the Philippians to continue to stand on the word. The promises of God which have brought them to their present point of maturity will continue to take them on into new realms of perfection uh, uh, perfection God has for them. 
and the same is true for us. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.